Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, it's my privilege to interview a longtime friend, Ron Johnson, who is a pastor of Restoration Church in Denver. And uh, we did a little coaching together. We've known each other through exponential events mostly, but a couple of other things, we go back pretty far. And Ron has been taking a legacy church into the micro church world and doing so with great success. So, hey, Ron, it's really good to have you here today. And let's just hear what you're thinking. Well, what happened was uh, when COVID hit, you know, like a lot of churches, the first thing we did was we made the pivot from just being primarily a physical church meeting on the weekends and small groups to, and, and with a, a digital experience that was pretty lame to a better digital experience and no physical, no physical presence. And then we uh, had time once we made that shift to think about how good of a job are we doing at making disciples? Yeah. And I had this conversation with staff and elders, as well as other leaders of the churches. And we came to the conclusion our small groups were doing great at caring for people. They were doing great at, at content, like introducing content to people who had come to Christ either recently or, or years in the past. But we were not happy with the results we were seeing in terms of people actually sharing their faith or seeing like you know significant spiritual transformation taking place. And uh, we wanted to be a church planning church. We've helped start 44 churches. And I had a conversation with you around that time, Ralph, and I asked you, what was the primary inflection point when you began to see more church planners arise in your own community at Hope Chapel? And you said very clearly, 1971, we stopped calling them small groups. We started calling them mini churches in light of the mini skirt, minivan, mini everything <laughs> era that you were in. And uh, that's when you began to see a change, a shift in the way people thought began to see themselves as pastors. They take more responsibility to disciple the people in their, their communities. And so we first changed the language. We went from small groups to simple church. I asked my team, what do you think would be the best way to describe these? And it's really simple church. And uh, then we moved all of our groups that we could into the simple church format via Zoom during COVID. And also during that time, I was reading some books about movements from the world uh, one I read was by Yin Kai, Training the Trainers. Another was David Watson, Contagious Discipleship. And we kind of borrowed pages out of their playbook, trying to keep it really simple, reproducible, no homework needed to be prepared for the simple church gatherings. Seven questions that we use every single time. And we began to see what I think is a, like a mini, mini movement. Mm-hmm. So in the last 20 months, we began this 20 months ago. We've seen, uh, we're now at 85 to 90 simple churches. I'm not actually in the last track. We've had 120 baptisms as of last weekend, all coming through simple churches doing evangelism. I want to ask you a question about numbers. Um, you, 85 to 90 simple churches. When you, when pre-COVID, how many people were coming to your church? We were having the quarter before pre-COVID, we had 559 physical attendance on the weekends. Five, 559 physical attendance. 
And so just a guess of, of how many people are involved in, in these simple churches. What would you think? Around 600. Uh, so that's, that's, that's 10% growth. That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've not taken, and a lot of them don't go to our church. We've got, not only locally, we've got some in DC, San Francisco. I was on my simple church call this morning and only one guy lives in Denver. So it, it, it's allowed us to reach beyond our geographic sort of limitations because we're using Zoom for most of our gatherings. How do you stay connected with the leaders of the simple churches? We uh, have a training event we do either every other week or monthly. We call it Multiply. So what I did is I just I started reading all these books about movements and what were the common denominators. We're also doing a we just started going through the book of Acts as a church and. I found like 16 different like movement markers, but there were eight that kept showing up again and again and again. And so we created an acronym called multiply and we've created three rounds of training for each of those letters. Like the first, for example, is make prayer the priority. You never see a movement in disciple making movement without a lot of prayer. So we'll start with just getting people to do a prayer list, teach the leaders to develop a prayer list with their Christians and non-Christian friends, pray hopefully daily. And then you know, round two in that same topic, we talk about uh, like how to have a balanced diet and prayer. But each, each letter of the acronym stands for something that movements tend to require. And I use Chris Galanos's metaphor of uh, the sails. We can't create a movement. The spirit only can create a movement. We can't make the wind blow. But we can put the sails up and be ready for when the spirit chooses to blow the wind. Oh, that's pretty cool. Could you, could you just briefly give us the... the the whole uh, multiply acronym. And you're going to ask that. Let me pull it up. So uh, I'm still remembering my own language here, but the M stands for make prayer a priority. Mm-hmm. The U stands for use the word. And because of it, let me pull this up. The L stands for lead people to Jesus. The T stands for train new believers. The I stands for inspire through vision. P is prepare new leaders. Uh, L is lead simple churches to multiply. And Y is yield to God. Oh, very good. What kind of tensions or problems? What you know? What are you running into? Uh, several. Uh, the biggest one right now is we we've been spreading out our simple church training over over six different leaders, and some are on staff, some are not. And we've got all these people who want to be in a simple church. Like we have 120 people on a waiting list. Wow. But our greatest success has been finding a good leader and say, go reach your friends. Yeah. And so we, we encourage the leaders to make a list of your friends. And we give them some conversation starters for how to actually talk about this and do that in a training. And then they go out and reach their friends and they say, hey, just try it once. And we have these series we do on different topics that are kind of felt neat topics. Um, the one I use typically is just intro to Jesus, just basic, basic information about Jesus. And if they can give to one of these simple churches, they usually can keep them going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we've got a list of people who are coming back from COVID, hearing about this. They're signing up, but it's real hard to connect them to the right leaders. It's very time demanding. So, um, Ron, tell me what kind of tensions are you feeling? You know, you're obviously having success with what you're doing with simple churches, but what, what, what's going on that's not working as well as it could. Right. Uh, we, number of tensions. I think the one that we're, we've been trying to tackle the last few weeks is since we 
have come back from COVID, we're about 45, 50% of our pre-COVID attendance. We were doing four services, we're doing two. And all these people are hearing about Simple Church and they're asking the question, how can I get involved? So we have a list of 120 people who want to get involved, but we don't, we have leaders, but you know, most of our leaders are pretty protective. They've reached out to the non-Christian friends. They don't want to add people they don't know. So trying to find the leaders to lead these people that have signed up and then trying to figure out how to connect them to those leaders is our current biggest challenge. So, you know, my fallback is always going to be that I'm, I'm going to pray first. Uh, I'm looking at uh, when Jesus talks about praying to the Lord of the harvest to raise up labor for the harvest. I start praying for people. This is, I'm not a pastor now, so I'm not doing this as, as much. Actually, I am. I, I'm, we're doing a simple church on Saturday afternoons. Uh, it's all digital. It's all we're all over. We're in Tennessee. We're in Texas. We're all over California. It's it's kind of really I love it. But I, I start praying, Lord, you know, show me the leaders, uh, show me the the labor that's here, and then, um, you know, I start looking for persons of peace because that's the next trailhead that Jesus gave to us. And I think how you identify a person of peace is that they have a network of friends. And so, in your situation, I'd kind of devise some sort of a little poll or, or a test, maybe even you know, give it out on Sundays to the whole congregation. I've done this a lot of times where I'll, I'll make a five question questionnaire and, and then we just actually take time out of the service. Everybody, please do this. And then we're going to hand it to the ushers and please write your name on it and your phone number. And then I, you know, I, I can't off the top of my head, think of real good questions, but maybe a question like how many people are in your immediate circle of friends? Uh, how many people who are your friends? Do you talk to in a, in a month on a regular basis? Um, you know, those kinds of questions to, to sort out who here is just naturally an influencer in their, their private culture. And then you go to those people and ask them if they'd be willing to lead a group, if you could kind of conjure up a group for them, because you got people that are standing in line waiting. And I think, that what you wouldn't want to do is start to bulk up the existing groups because what you've described to me is that you've trained people to be outward focused and most churches are inward focused. And when they do something like this, it's always about supporting the saints and you you've kind of cleared that hurdle and you you're reaching into the community evangelism is happening and now it's starting to, you know, go around the country, if not around the world, which it will do, because there's a huge hunger out there for reality. So I, I think that in terms of servicing the saints, because you got to service them, you're the shepherd. Uh, I, I tried to go as much as I could among, uh, uh, you know, tap the market for the market leaders, if you think of it in a little bit more um, business parlance. And then, you know, just work your way in and then expect you, you're not going to get 100%. Um, it's just probably not going to happen. Or the other other way of doing this, and, and we've done both. The, what I just described is more precision. But the other thing is a cattle call. And uh, to go to those 120 people and say, we're looking for leaders. And I would do this second. I wouldn't do this first. Because if you do this first, it dulls your sword for the for the other one. Because the, the survey deal is kind of a way of sneaking up on people. Because you got people who are, are leaders who are going, 
I, I'm tired, I'm too busy, I'm whatever. And honestly, if, if you build a format the way we built our format, where it's built around what you taught on the weekend, there isn't much work for them to do. You know, ask a bunch of questions. Anybody can do that. But you, you got people who are natural leaders and maybe they're busy in the community as in their job, whatever, as leaders. And they just they want to come to church to get relief. But then there's a call in their life and they're ignoring that call. And, and so I would I go for the survey deal first. But then secondly, I would try the cattle call. And just go, we're, we're, we're running a meeting, you know, this afternoon. It's free food. People always like free food. And uh, it's good food. I'd feed them well. And if you're interested in, in the possibility, and by coming to the meeting, you're not saying yes. You're just coming to the meeting to get information. And then, you know, take whoever comes and work with them from there. Oh, that's good, Rob. Yeah, I think we were... You know, I, we have a really young leadership team and the first place they go is how can we solve this with technology? How can we get a, a better website, better CRM system? And I'm not saying they're wrong. It's just an expensive way to go. We don't have the money right now to do that. Someday maybe we will. Maybe that'll be actually part of the, part of the solution. That's helpful. That's a helpful way for us to kind of go guerrilla warfare on this right now before these oh. people lose interest. And then I think we've got to really be careful of the pendulum swinging. We're in an age where technology is changing and the church tends to always lag on technology. You know, when television came out, my pastor was saying it was the devil box. When movies came out in the twenties, the church was against movies. Uh, I'll bet you, you could find people if you went back five centuries that were against Gutenberg. You know, you know, now, right now, everybody is against social media. Our, our pastors are speaking out against Zoom. And, you know, I was just reading an author. Maybe pastors are Zoom fatigued, but their people certainly aren't. And you, you got people who one minute are talking to their friend face to face, and the next minute they're on their phone looking at something on the screen. This is where our people live. So... So what we've, we've got is a bunch of people who are swinging uh, to the past, to what worked in the past, and we don't want to do digital. Then you got these young leaders who are seeing some salvation in the technology. And salvation has never come in the technology. It's always been the church in relationship with each other utilizing technology. So I think you have to go old school to some degree and, and, and maintain a balance. Um, I'm big pro technology guy, but I'm also really pro keeping it looking a lot like Acts 2 and, you know, what I find in the scripture. And so when I, I look at, uh, you know, in Luke where Jesus talks about the, the persons of peace, uh, I immediately run to Samaria and the lady at the well. And I, I, I don't know that you're going to find the woman at the well uh, digitally. I, I think you got to find that person in, in a conversation face-to-face. -face. Yeah, we're seeing both. I mean, during COVID, Zoom, I think Zoom is one of the reasons we've seen such fruit. I think it's mainly the Holy Spirit, but, you know, there's a lot, people are starving for interaction and it's easy to invite a non-Christian to a Zoom call. All they got to do is click off and there they go, right? It's way less intimidating to go to a church building for sure. And even someone's house, which is probably even more scary. 
So I think it's been a real asset. I, I do see most of our civil churches trying to gather right now, more of an incarnational expression, at least once a month or yeah. once a quarter and do beers and brats in the backyard or something, which is encouraging. But yeah, that balance is a good caution. Like how do we keep that balance? Yeah. yeah. I think the other challenge for me is, uh, yeah, I've been leading a lot of simple churches leaders i i'm kind of getting, getting out of the simple church leadership game in terms of me leading one i've got one right now and i don't plan to add anymore so then i've elevated to just training some simple church leaders we've got about six of us that are doing that i've got two groups that meet once a month i've all, well now i've got three groups i got a group of ceos that they don't flock together very well so i, I create a separate group for them so I'm, i've got three training groups and i guess my the answer to my question is how do i keep elevating is uh training trainers like you know that next level of leaders who can do what i'm doing with a multiply acronym but any advice on on training trainers and well, being able to help yeah. scale in a healthy way yeah there's two things that, that come to my three things that come to my, my mind one is i think you're right to settle on one group uh, you know a lot of guys during zoom are during covid jumped into doing two or three groups, which I think was a wise move because you got to get momentum in a hurry. But I think for the long term, the, the lead pastor should always be leading a, a, a simple church or micro church in house, whatever we want to call it, just so that you know what's going on. And, and, you know, it gives you credibility with your people. And then when it comes to, to training, I think that we're, uh, you know, we're entering, we're entering, we, since 1950, uh, the church has been diminished. In 1950, 94% of Americans self-identified as Christians. Now we're down to where it's like 58%, depending on who you talk to. And we've just been on a long slide. The slide accelerated with the advent of the mega church, because people were drawn from small churches to big churches, small churches died. And the, the roots of evangelism usually are in smaller churches. They can't run big programs. So we, we've, we've seen that now we're, we're coming to a point where um, COVID has changed us. We've, we've accelerated the process of, of everything digital, all things digital, everything from, you know, Instagram to the latest social media platform to Zoom to whatever we're doing. And, and so that's changed the way that the world is. But now it's time for pastors to reallocate their time. There, there's been some discussion about reallocating your financial resources. And then some smarter people are beginning to re reallocate their staff resources. I know one pastor of a very big church who just laid it down this was in the middle of COVID and said, from, from now into the future, after COVID, uh, we're, we're putting 80% of our resources into our online congregations because they had exploded. They went to where they're five times as large as they were. They, they went to 12 times as big when, they, when you know, the whole Zoom thing first hit in COVID, and they shrank back to five times their pre-COVID size, and they're around the world. And so he just put it to his staff, a large staff. Um, we're going to spend 80% of our money doing things online. And, and you, if you choose to remain on this staff, are going to spend 80% of your time in online ministry. And I don't even know what that looks like. And this is pretty arbitrary. But just right. we're, we're reallocating resources. And 
a, a few people quit that day. They resigned from their position because they didn't want to do that. And now they're kind of feeling their way into the future, which I think is courageous and, and wonderful. But what I'm not hearing is lead pastors realizing that I can't do 2019 in 2022. And so we have to reallocate the resource that is us. And so I, I think that as you're telling me that you're focusing more on the training the trainers, that you, you need to really sit down and, and, and do your time blocks. And, you know, how do I spend, you know, I, I would always attempt when I was a pastor for every seven day period to look like every other seven day period, but no two days looked alike. But then I woke up one day and I realized every month should pretty much look like every other month. Um, and, and I, I began to, so I, that helped me get into how am I framing the use of my time? And I, and I think it's right now, if, if you want to keep growing, you've got to be that Ron is the big cheerleader and Ron is the, the, the trainer of trainers. And, and we move from there. Yeah. One of the conscious decisions we made when we came back to physical attendance was to try and get everything ready in one day. So one day prep, one day execution. So Monday we have all of our staff meetings. We do have at Simple Church some, and uh, you know, we, we also are involved in some church plants locally. We do some of that, but we're mainly trying to get ready for the weekend, celebrate what happened last weekend, talk about what's happening next. And then that affords us time Tuesday. We all Sabbath on Friday. And so Tuesday through Thursday, we're doing a little, mainly work on Simple Church and meeting with leaders and working on that. So that's one of the shifts we've made. A question I have for you, Ralph, is it's interesting. You, you realized you needed to go from like your ideal week to your ideal month and your ideal week. Mm-hmm. What was different about your month and your week? I, how were those rhythms? How do you delineate between the two? Um, mostly training events for leaders. The, those were okay. the things that, that, that changed. And then, of course, when holidays come and special events that come in the church, then those months are going to also be different. But, um, yeah, like we were on a, a every other week uh, training mode for all, all of our mini church leaders. And so that was, you know, there were several kind of disruptive and positive disruptions. And then I had certain groups that I would only meet with on a, on a once a month basis. Uh, they were guys that were already doing something in the business community or whatever. And so I just go and really just hang out with them. I, I, I didn't go there to train them or anything. I just wanted to reinforce them. And sometimes uh, this would afford me the opportunity of meeting with their people. Uh, one, one of the things that I did for a little while, and it's a little off the subject here, but I, I chose a downtown cafe that had a courtyard in Honolulu. And I would just to get away from my staff for one thing, but so I could meet people and their friends, I would just go down there and sit in the courtyard. And I mean, all the study helps we need are online. You know, I, I had a, you know, I got all these books behind me yesterday. I was, I, I was on a, somebody else's call and there were three people and one guy had, it looked like a law library. He had behind him, there were all two walls. And he was kind of sitting in the corner of all of these bound books and really sets of commentaries. And so he said that they built him a, a studio for doing webinars. And I go, is that your studio? And he goes, no, 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 that they built a professional studio. This is just my library. But 
I, I used to have all those books. When I was in college, I started buying commentary sets. And when I moved away from Hawaii, I, I kept them in my office. I had my real library at home. And in my office, I had all the sets of books. And honestly, they were a prop. So when people came into my office, they thought I was something smart. <laughs> and and I, I basically, I, the Salvation Army didn't want them. So I threw them in the trash because <laughs> I, I have them all in my phone. You know, you know, thousands of dollars that I spent early on, all on my phone. So I could go downtown in Honolulu with my laptop and my phone because my laptop couldn't get online at the cafe, but my phone could. And I would do my sermons down there. But I, then I was happy to be interrupted because I people from the church had come up, you know, they're on their way to lunch and, oh, Pastor Ralph, you're down here. And and here's my friend. And, and then if those guys are doing something with a group of people, then I want to interrupt my month, you know, on a, like on a pretty much a monthly basis. Who do I hang with this month on Thursday mornings? That kind of a thing. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.